So this winter break, my family and I, we were down in Orlando with my parents, and we were staying at a a Marriott resort that had this big lake in the middle of it. It had a pontoon that was taking people from one side of the lake to the other. And so my family and I, we get on this pontoon, and when we get on it, I recognize and see this guy sitting right across from us, and he was just in real good shape. Like his abs had abs, just real muscular guy, real good shape, and pretty overall good-looking guy. And so we get off the boat, go on with the rest of our day. I don't think another thing about it. Well, a couple of days later, we were, my wife and I go out for New Year's Eve. And so we're sitting there eating dinner and we're talking about making some New Year's resolutions around fitness. And, and I make the statement, I was like, man, I would love to really start lifting all the time and put on some muscle so that I can maybe look like that guy who was on the boat with us, thinking that she would have no idea what I was talking about. But without hesitation, she said, yeah, could you get these, these muscles right here? I was like, Traps? Is that what you're talking about? She's like, yeah, traps. She's like, he had traps, and I really like those. I was like, like, wait a minute, this is, this is two days ago, and you still remember what the guy's body looked like? And real nonchalantly, just casually, she was just like, she said, and I quote, well, I just, I just gazed at him for a few seconds. You did what? You, you gazed? You gazed at him? So as we're, as we're sitting there eating trying to play this off like it was no big deal, like I didn't care. But the longer we sat there, the more I was just thinking in the back of my mind, like, when was the last time she gazed at me? Because I'm not remembering that. Like, I, I walk around our house with nothing on all the time, and she could care less. Like, she doesn't give me a second look, but then she's gazing at other guys on boats while I'm sitting right there beside of her. And, and yeah, she's, she's told me that she likes, she likes muscles on a guy. And so I'm working here, people. I've been doing push-ups till my arms are about to fall off because she used to say I love picks, but now all of a sudden it's traps. It's hard to hit a moving target. And, 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 and yeah... Let's just be honest, like, this is still a dad bod, but like I tell her, it's an upper echelon dad bod. Like, this is, this is not a Corvette. This is a Chevy Malibu, but, but I'm content. I'm content with this Chevy Malibu. At least I was until my wife compared me to a Corvette. And so sitting there at dinner, I put my foot down, and I said, listen, like, you're going to start, start being content with what you got. You're going to be happy with my body. At least that's what I wanted to say. Obviously, I did in reality. I did what every other man would do, and I joined Planet Fitness. And so ever since we've got back from vacation, I've been over there at Planet Fitness just early mornings, late nights, just tearing up the weights, just just burning them up. And anytime I'm lifting, I got like one rep left. I just need that extra little bit of motivation. All I have to think is, oh, you want something to gaze at? Mm, I'll give you something to gaze at. Like, like I'll, I'll give you something to, to look at. And just the other day, I, was, I finished up a, a workout over there, Planet Fitness, and I'm back there in the locker room kind of looking at myself, flexing, like seeing what I would look like if I did have traps and like just looking at myself. And these older men were in there. Let's just say they had like jalopy bodies. They're not the best bodies. And so, so I, I looked at them and then I looked in the mirror and I'm just thinking like, she don't know what she's missing. Like you look good is what you do. But then this, this younger guy walks in and let's say he's got a Corvette body, like really, really good shape. So he takes his shirt off. Well, I glance over and look at him. Well, I, when I look back in the mirror, when I tell you my entire perspective changed, I, I look back in the mirror and I was just like, look at those love handles. And like, this guy was real tan. So I was like, look at that pasty white skin you've got. I put my shirt on and just left there in disgust. But why is it that we all fall into this trap, this, this comparison trap? where nothing in our lives is ever good enough because we always compare it to something else. We see this many times amongst Jesus' apostles who were always comparing themselves to one another, arguing about who was the greatest among them. 
Right before Jesus died on the cross, Peter denied three times that he even knew Christ. But after Jesus resurrects in John 21, Christ comes to Peter and he reaffirms Peter as the leader of the apostles and tells him that someday he will die for Christ, that he's going to finish the race strong. John 21 and verse 18 says, very, Jesus says this to Peter, very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Now listen to Peter's response to that. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. So that's John writing this book. Saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? So even though Jesus tells Peter that despite his massive mistake and massive failure, denying Christ three times, Jesus says, you're still the leader of the apostles. And guess what? You're going to follow me to the very end and you're going to give your life for me someday. Peter's response to that is basically like, okay, that sounds good and all, but, but what about him? Peter's first response was not to be grateful and content with what Jesus was calling him to, but his first response was to compare his calling to John's calling. So comparison is something that we as humans have been struggling with since the beginning of time. And none of us are above this. Even the apostles struggle with it. But we are living in a unique time right now where comparison and the negative effects from it are at an all-time high. And this is mainly due to the opportunities we have to compare ourselves to one another through social media. Now, I don't want to sound like the, the old guy up here and act like social media in and of itself is a bad thing. It's not. It can be used in many great ways. But many times, it's our, it's our interactions with social media that lead and, and have these harmful results on our lives. It's when we allow social media to drive us to compare our lives to the lives of others because what we're doing in those moments is we're comparing our everyday lives to someone else's highlight reel. Like you may look at my social media and, and see a picture like this of my family. So we took this during Christmas time right out there and you may look at that and say, man, that's the that's the picture perfect family. We're all happy. We're, we're matching with our Christmas stuff. You may think, I wish my family was that happy. I wish we worshiped together like that. I, I wish my kids, look at my, all three of my boys are standing there. They're taking a picture. They're happy. They're looking at the camera. You may think, I would love to have that. But what you don't realize is for every 100 pictures we take as a family, 99% of them don't look like this. One of them look like that, but 99% of them look like this right here. Yeah, that's, that, is, that is reality in our home. And all the parents, you know, that's what parenting really is right there. And you can tell, you can tell that this is 99% of the time that this is complete normality because look at my wife. Like that looks like an exorcism and she's completely unfazed. Looks like she's taking a prom photo. So you see so much of social media, it's just fake. And, and I'll just say it, these filters, these filters have gone too far. Like some of you all are catfishing people with these filters. It's trickery is what it is. We all know that we've seen someone on social media and been really impressed. And then we met them in person and been really disappointed. Like there's no way that can be the same person. So we are comparing. We get on social media and we compare our everyday difficult, messed up lives to someone else's perfect, polished highlight reel. We compare our lives to something that's not even real. And studies are showing that the effects of this are taking a negative toll 
on you and I. And, and most of these negative effects are stemming from social comparison that comes from being on social media. So according to Nursing Times, social comparison is a form of sociological self-esteem where we derive our sense of self through comparing ourselves with others. And this social comparison will always lead you and I to falling into the comparison trap where we compare ourselves to someone who is worse off than we are. And we feel like we're more skilled than they are. And so this raises our self-esteem and makes us feel superior to that person. But then we compare ourselves to someone over here who we feel like they are better off than we are, that they're more skilled than we are. And this lowers our self-esteem and makes us feel inferior to that person. And this is why studies are showing that social comparison is linked to anxiety and depression and negative body images and cyberbullying and even sleep problems. So comparison... It will either make you feel superior to others or it will make you feel inferior to others. But neither one of these honors God. Neither one of these are God's plan for your life. God's plan is not for you to live entangled in comparison, but rather for you to live in the freedom of contentment. 1 Timothy 6.6 6 says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Notice that Paul doesn't say godliness with wealth is great gain or success with contentment is great gain or godliness with fame is great gain. No, Paul says that the formula for great gain in our lives is godliness plus contentment. And it all starts with godliness. It all starts with you and I allowing Jesus to live in us and through us because true contentment, great gain in this life can only be found in Christ. That's why Jesus told the woman at the well in John 4, said, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. True and lasting contentment all starts with Jesus. It can only be found in Christ. Christ is the only one who can satisfy your soul. But so many times we think that beauty will do it. We think that wealth and sex will do it. We think that that fame and, and getting all the things we want will do it. We think that falling in love and having kids will do it. But these things will only satisfy your flesh, but they will never satisfy your soul. There is only one who can satisfy your soul, and that is Jesus. True contentment can only be found in Christ. In 2 Corinthians 6, the apostle Paul says this in verse 10, we own nothing and yet we have everything. Paul is saying we own nothing of earthly value. And if you read his letters, you'll see that that's true. That Paul wasn't wealthy or popular or even successful in the world's eyes. We own nothing of earthly value, Paul says, but we have everything of eternal value. We have Jesus, so we have everything. Because everything minus Jesus equals nothing. If you have everything that this world can offer, but you don't have Christ, you will never experience true contentment in this life. You will never be able to live out the great gain that God has for you. Everything minus Jesus equals nothing, but Jesus plus nothing 
equals everything. If you have Jesus, you have everything you need. I want to remind someone this morning that you may not have the relationship you want, but if you have Jesus, then you have everything that you need. You may not have the career you're wanting in this stage of life, but if you have Jesus, then you have everything you need. You may not have the social status or the cars or clothes or house that you're wanting, but if you have Jesus, then you have everything that you could ever possibly need. And in no way am I trying to, trying to downplay anyone's pain or trial they may be going through. I know how unbelievably difficult life can be. And if you are in a, if you're in a toxic relationship or work environment, a toxic setting in life, I'm not saying that you should just settle for that and stay there. I would say seek godly counsel in those situations. But I am trying to encourage everyone with the fact, the truth, that no matter what your circumstance may be in this life, if you have Jesus, you have everything. And if you will realize this, if you will begin to see this and live this out, you too will say with Paul, I may have nothing. I may own nothing, but in Christ, I have everything. You can take this whole world. Just give me Jesus because true contentment can only be found in Christ. First Timothy 6, 6, godliness with contentment is great gain. And what we'll see through the life of Paul is when we find our contentment in Christ, it will lead to contentment in our circumstances. Let me say that again. When we find our soul and ultimate contentment in Jesus, it will always lead to us being content in our circumstances. That's why Paul goes on to say in verse seven, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have enough food and clothing, we will be content with that. And then Paul echoes the same thing in Philippians four when he says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. Here it is. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Paul was content in Christ, which led to him being content in his circumstances, which, which shows, that, shows us that contentment makes whatever you have enough. Whether you have a lot or you have a little, whether you are popular or unpopular, whether you are successful or unsuccessful, whether you are on the mountaintop in life or you are in the valley, contentment makes whatever you have enough. Godliness with contentment is great gain. This great gain that God wants for our lives is not having the most treasure, but it's treasuring most what you already have. There are millions and millions of people all over this world who have everything they could ever want. They are blessed beyond belief, but they're still absolutely miserable because they're not content with what God's given them. But conversely, there are people all over this world who are in some of the worst circumstances you can imagine, relationally, physically, emotionally, they are just struggling, struggling in life, it seems like from the outside looking in, but somehow they are some of the most joyful and happy people you'll ever be around. Why? Because they're content. And contentment makes whatever you have enough. Great gain is not having the most treasure, but it's treasuring most what you already have. 
And when we are content in Christ and in our circumstances, it will alleviate our desire to compare ourselves to others. Because comparison leads to competition. When we compare ourselves to others, it will always lead to us competing with them in our minds. It will always lead us into the comparison trap. When we compare ourselves to one person, we feel like we're better than them. them. So we win. But then we compare ourselves to someone else and we feel like they're better than us. So we lose. Comparison always leads us into competition with others. I've only been here at Grace since September. But it didn't take me long at all to realize that me comparing myself to the leaders here at Grace is a horrible idea because it always leads to me losing. Like I, when I'm up here, I give Andrew a hard time a lot, but he really is one of the best communicator of God's word I've ever heard. And, and what's so amazing is, is I've heard him many times just speak off the cuff and get up in communication practice and he'll share. And it's like, oh my goodness, like seems like he was preparing that for a whole week. And so if I compare myself to him as a communicator, I'll just be absolutely miserable. I'll feel like I'm always losing. It took me about a day of being here at Grace to realize that Dan Jackson is so much smarter than me that it scares me. Like we'll be, we'll be sermon prepping and Dan will start using like these big lofty words and getting like real deep theology, theology. And I'll just be sitting there like, "Mm, yeah, that's good. Yeah. You should, you should put that in the sermon. When in reality, I have no idea what he's even talking about. It's like, you lost me five minutes ago. Almost every day we play, we play Jeopardy as a staff. And almost every time Dan will get like eight out of the 10 questions right all by himself. And in the six months that I've been here so far, you know how many questions I've contributed and helped the team with? Not, not one. Like not, not, a, not a single one. And it's so bad and so evident that when we, when we get them all right as a team, we'll do a randomizer and someone in there will get, the, will, will get a free lunch. Well, the other day, I, I was just sitting out there. I didn't contribute at all. I was sitting out there, and I got the free lunch, and Andrew was mad. He was upset. He's like, why does he get the free lunch? He doesn't do anything. Like, he's never answered a question. <laughs> we are about to, we're about to plant this fall, about to plant a great church right down the road here in Lexington. And as the lead pastor of that church, if I spend my time comparing our church plant to the other churches in Lexington, I'll always feel like we're losing. We're not going to have as many people as a mega church in Lexington. We're not going to have the facilities as some of the other churches that are going to be right across town from us. So if I spend my time or if we spend our time as a church plant comparing ourselves to other churches in that area, we'll just always feel like we're losing. We'll be in a constant state of discouragement because comparison always leads to competition. But contentment, contentment leads to celebration. When I am content in Christ and who he created me to be, I no longer have to compare myself with others. I no longer have to compete with anyone else. I no longer feel superior or inferior to anyone else. But then I'm able to get on social media and celebrate what God is doing in other people's lives here at Grace. Celebrate the gifts that God has given other people here at Grace as a church plant. If we are content in who God has called us to be, then we'll be able to look at the other churches in Lexington for what they really are, co-laborers in Christ. And we'll be able to celebrate all that God is doing also through them because because comparison leads to competition, but contentment leads to celebration. One simple way that we can begin to decrease our desire to compare ourselves with others is by limiting those opportunities 
And, and like we said earlier, it may look different for you, but, but for many of us, this would look like decreasing our time on social media, simply limiting the opportunities we have to compare ourselves with others. So this week, we can, we can decrease our comparison through decreasing our time on social media, but we can also increase our contentment through increasing our time with Jesus, through increasing the time that we're spending personally with Christ. This could, this could start with just taking five to 10 minutes a day where you, where you get off of social media and you put this down and you pick up the word of God and, and you get into God's word and you spend time with him in his word and in prayer. Start by just taking just a few minutes a day where you take your eyes off of people and the, the urge to compare to them and see what they have. Take your eyes off of people and fix your eyes on Jesus to focus on him because it's impossible to be content in Christ if you're not spending time with Christ. So taking time every day to talk to Jesus in prayer and to listen to him through reading his word. And as you do, you will begin to enjoy and delight in Jesus. You will begin to see him for what he really is your greatest treasure in life. You will find a contentment that can only be found in Christ. That even if you lost everything else and all you had left was Jesus, just Jesus, you could still say with Paul, I may own nothing, but in Christ I still have absolutely everything. Why don't we stand and pray together? Father God, I'm sorry. And Lord, we're sorry for, for all the times that we have, we have taken you for granted. We've taken all the, the good gifts you've given us for granted because we've, we've allowed comparison to rob us of our joy. We've allowed comparison to rob us of, of time with you and, and, and just enjoying the blessings you've given us because we're so worried about someone else may have. So Lord, I pray that we would take this word and that we would apply it to our lives. That this week, Father, that we would take a few minutes every day. That we would put our phones down. Maybe we would turn our TVs off. Father, we would just spend time sitting at your feet. Lord, that we would spend time talking to you in prayer and listening to you through reading your word, Father. And that through that, Father, we would find a contentment that can only be found in you that no matter what we may go through in this life, no matter what we may lose, Lord, that we would always be able to say that if we have you, then we know we have everything. Lord, we praise you for this and we pray all this in Christ's name.
Amen.